gentlemen. It's what we, it's what Yay. we do. We are oh. recording. Ooh. Hello, everyone. Now oh. that you know about budget Faraday cages and aluminum foil weathering, aluminium, time, it is time for another episode of the Tainty Boys of the Black Tower podcast. Jesus Christ, Josh. Have some oh, class. It works out. If you're doing the intro for this one, then we can make Josh do the intro for one next week. That works. <laughs> Honestly, I felt like at this point we just kind of do the intro. We all have a very oh, nice. Yeah. I believe the rotation is just thing. so that we can point at someone when we need to. Basically, yeah, I mean, no, you that's what it? I use it for. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's what speaking, I use it for. Except speaking for like, of for like pointing. Miss Naughty in the live chat. Gray Aja. Hey, we're going to be kind of talking about you today. She's a sitter on the Gray Aja, and uh, she's a a derivative. Some naughty bits. Indeed. I thought that would be a green kind of post, not a gray kind of post. Welcome, everybody, to the Black Tower podcast. You know what time it is. Line up, single file. And receive it's 810 Eastern. The taint. You know you want it. You know you you know you want it. You know you need do it. Do you really want to do you really want to taste it? <laughs> oh no, oh <laughs> <laughs> I got a new vape. <laughs> yeah? How is it? Yeah, it's got a kind of moment on it. Nice. Oh god. I like five that. five minutes in and the gray aja broke me. Yeah. Shit. Because the refilling right. this with juice will last me longer than spending like 50 bucks a week on two disposables. So okay, all right. All right. Yep, that, that definitely makes sense. So it's the responsibility for here to talk about vapes. We're not here to talk about uh transformer dicks. We're not here to talk about peacemaker. We're here to talk <laughs> about wheel of time. Wheel and when you say we, time. who is we? The three of Ooh. us. The three gentlemen who you see on your screens and whose illustrious voices you hear. The wonderful, the talented, the amazing Baijan Mahale, Andrew, over here. Go ahead and say hi to the people, Andrew. Oh, baby, stroke the shaft. Hey. <laughs> Hell of an intro! Hell of an oh, intro! Wonderful! Yeah. The experience. Well, apparently it's apparently the... it's quite uh, enjoyed whenever we do these more risque intros. We get comments from fantastic people like Critter XD just laughing at the intro. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to you, Critter. You're fantastic. We love you. Experienced. The mature yet also very much capable of hanging with the youngling <laughs> the uh the glue that holds the black tower together with his wonderful laughs and <laughs> illustrious beard the sort of Mahale, josh i believe that's the nicest way anybody's ever said that i'm an old asshole i was thank you i was just gonna laugh if you said it was me again <laughs> <laughs> I would have actually been really they should have done that. Or I should have basically made it sound like I was gonna introduce Josh and then just introduced me. <laughs> then I could have pulled a Zoolander and been like, well, jokes on them. <laughs> right. Well, of course, last but certainly not least, our most 
actoral and performancely accomplished member, the man with many voices, one of them is an incredible singing voice, our illustrious banner waver who always leads the way with his counter arguments. Our very own waving that flag. <laughs> our very staff. own Armin McHale. Armin McHale. Armin McHale. Armin He's from Mahale. Scotland. Daniel. He's like Joel McHale. <laughs> Well, uh, why do you think I wave the flag so well, you fuck? I'm the Armin McHale. <laughs> Armin McHale! Oh, five minutes into the show, we're already doing great. So you guys know what you got to do uh, while we recompose ourselves. You got to go to blacktowerpod.com. Yes. You got to go to blacktowerpod.com. It's your one-stop shop for every last bit of Wait, where do they have to goodness. go? Do they have to go but, to blacktowerpod.com? Blacktowerpod.com. Josh, I can't draw or paint. How am I going to compose myself? <laughs> You can put notes down on a paper. Oh, five minutes into the show, we're already doing. <sighs> what? <laughs> you guys hearing voices? What Doctor Strange time stone <laughs> bullshit is this? <laughs> I come to what bargain, Wabu. <laughs> what in the fucking what, what multiverse the time stream? <laughs> what in the wide, wide world of sports? <laughs> <laughs> But yes, blacktowerpod.com. Yes. That is exactly the very next words I was about to say. Your one-stop shop for all things that are the glorious mess that is the Black Tower Podcast. Uh, It's got links for Patreon where you can be uber kind and support us and join the ranks of the Black Tower on paper. Uber kind. Mm -hmm. Uber kind. Make that very clear. Um, (laughs) Because that is not what I heard. Anyway, um... I'm a terrible, terrible listener. Uh, you can also find there. We got forums there. We got pictures from Jordan Con of last year that will eventually add to or replace with Jordan Con this year because it's fucking coming. April's almost here. But something you may be even more excited for if you are not already a patron of ours and you're like, why do these guys talk about listening live all the time? Why is it such a cool thing for patrons? Well, you. Yes, you, the non-patrons, will get a chance to try it out for your own March 15th of 2022 at 8 p.m. If you are in our Discord, we will be recording an episode live for anybody that wants to drop by the Discord. You need a link? It is on blacktowerpod.com. Go ahead and join. Set your calendars, 8 p.m. Eastern, March 15th. You can come into the Discord and listen to a live episode from us. And... Get a taste of what it's like to be a patron and see how much you regret not being a patron or are thankful for not being a patron. Depends on your <laughs> also, percent. We do want to throw out there, uh, it came to our attention last week that there were a couple of people who are actually already Patreons who are not fully aware of the benefits that they had. So if you are listening to this in the public release uh, on YouTube or through Podbean or whatever, and you are a Patreon supporter at any level, and you do not have the correct roles in our Discord, or you haven't joined our Discord, every Tuesday we record live for our Discord members who are also Patreons. Uh, And you can actually hop in and listen to us go ahead and talk the entire episode through in audio format as it happens on our discord in a special channel made just for you so if you don't have that yet go grab it it's a super fun thing 
Uh, as far as I know, for better or for worse, none of our Patreons have ever come and listened to the episode and been like, well, that was stupid. I'm never doing that again. I think <laughs> and, it's normally, that was stupid. I'm definitely doing that again. Yes, that's true. Uh, so, and and if, if you do sign up, do make sure that you link your Discord to your Patreon because that Patreon automatically grants the roles. If you have a serious aversion to doing it, that's fine. Uh, yep. You can reach out to any of the three of us, uh, Discord, Twitter, email, wherever, uh, and we can get you the roles. Um, we'll just have to validate but it does make are. it streamlined if you go ahead and do the, the account linking. Uh, so we do highly recommend that um, if you want to do that. As stated, if you have an aversion to it, there are always back channels, but that is the easiest way. What he said. Good times. Good times. Good times. Good times. Good times. Our crowd. Our crowd. Well, Josh, there's somewhere else that they can get the tools well, to go and have a great time out in the wilds of the world. If you want to go out into the wilds of the world and you think, blimey, I just don't know. Well, no worries. Because when you're at blacktowerpod.com, you will see this really cool chibi art, right? A chibi art of a lady with a nice hat on and she's like got a rock pick she's like let's do this shit that's the crystal barista you know her we talk about her all the time official sponsor of the black tower podcast now you can follow her on twitter at rock pick you can follow her on facebook at facebook.com slash rock pick or you can just go to crystalbarista.com. it's so much fun everything you ever wanted to know about rocks crystals gems minerals and the like how do you think we found the fancy black rocks that make up the wall of our tower she took us Crystal on a trip. barista that's right she yeah. took us on a trip and and we took all the soldiers and we were like those rocks right there explode yeah. them to the right it took size. us a while to realize we could channel them up the hill because the first couple we just carried up the hill and it was just it was something else we don't talk about yeah. that <laughs> we don't talk about rocks Anyway, anyway, before we get into exactly what we're talking about in this episode, everybody needs protection, and we are here to provide you with the protection. So listen closely so you know what to not or not listen out for. This is your Black Tower podcast, <laughs> Wheel of Time, spoiler warning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to spoilers, but this is a beginning. If you continue to listen, you may be cursed with the knowledge yet to come. These curses may include knowledge that you are, in fact, just a farm boy. Drinking one glass of wine now leads to mustache pulling and a hell of a hangover. Resigning that you will never be as good with the ladies as your friends are. Realizing the world is bad regardless of your gender or sexual orientation. The inability to stop tugging your braid in anger, even if you don't have hair. And understanding that the word taint is simultaneously a noun, adjective, and verb. Discovering you have more titles than actual name. The BDE, also known as Big Dragon Energy, becomes undeniable. Finding yourself promising to read a new spring and never getting to it. <laughs> An uncontrollable urge to argue over inconsistent pronunciations. Knowing that hating Gon is a responsibility, not a privilege. 
Again, true. there are no beginnings or endings to spoilers, but this is a beginning. You have been warned. Can I just say, I think it's hilarious that the one motherfucker of our group who is married just said that these two guys who are both single are better with the ladies than they are. That is big Matt energy you're, right you're there. You're still know that, right? in the game. And when I check out all <laughs> the ladies at JordanCon, I'm looking at them for you guys. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm cutting that part out for sure. That's going to be like a 40% thing. Uh, I, can, I can see the comments already. Josh is a misogynistic oh, pig. Oh, oh, yeah. And then be too afraid to come and actually talk to you in person at JordanCon. Oh, yeah. No, it would definitely just be in the comment section. They'd probably be sitting at the bar on the other side oh, just so... staring at Josh commenting <laughs> on our YouTube. Yeah. Look I can see him now at the bar. Look He's at leering at his drink his with immoral gaze. Yeah, right. <laughs> look at it. Look oh, at it. Disgusting. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that outfit he's wearing. What the hell's wrong with him? <laughs> look at that outfit. Whoa. Look at that. Look at that tight-fitting vest <laughs> that makes me think things I shouldn't. And that and those that... <laughs> and those well-turned cabs and that round buttocks and his breeches. Uh, oh so God. gross! I mean, it's so so <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, on the subject of immoral, to segue <laughs> to morality. Oh, nice tonight's segue. topic. Tonight's topic is on the oath rod. You know Ooh. it, you love it, or you hate it. It depends on where you are in the books and your subjective morality, which is fine. Believe whatever you want to believe; it's fine. Right um, now, leave a comment below. Right now, oath rod, thumbs up or thumbs down. And then listen to the rest of the episode and see if you're right or if you're wrong. <laughs> but that is well, what we're here to talk about. Changed your mind? That could be well. Then leave another comment at the end of the show if you changed your mind or not. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we are trying to get you to leave two comments. <laughs> do it. Just do it. You're already listening. Why not? So leave all the comments. The, the oath ride. Uh, so at the Othrod, as we know it, uh, majorly from the series, is the rod that all accepted must swear oaths on in the White Tower in order to be fully raised to Aes Sedaihood or sisterhood. Um, it consists of three oaths, which you may have heard Rosamund Pike say very lovely in the Will of Time TV show. Daniel, would you care to recite? Uh, the first oath is an Aes Sedai will never speak a word that is untrue. Uh, that they will not make weapons for men to kill each other. And the third is to only use the one power in defense of their own life or the defense of their warders or another... Never to use the one power as a weapon. Yes, as a except, weapon. Except nope. in defense. Against dark friends or shadow spawn, or in the last extreme defense of her life, or her warder, That's, or another. It aspect. does. Yeah. yeah. So this is one of the things where we're ward, uh, wording, much like everything with the Aes Sedai, uh, is incredibly important. 
Oh, so yeah. To speak no word, that is not true. Doesn't mean you can't misguide people. It just means that what you're saying has to technically be true. Um, yeah, so, ergo, you can't like, say this shirt is blue, but you can say this shirt that you are wearing has shades that are not of red and not of, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> and get extremely convoluted trying to say that this shirt is blue without ever actually saying the words, this shirt is blue. Yes. And I like what Dalen said. It's very, uh, it's very fae like, you know, Legends of the, oh. the Fae from, uh, from Mythos. Yes. If you're an avid D&D player, you probably have some trauma uh, in your past games from the Fae. Um, yep. Oh, there's such a good oh, uh, good ideas for the D and D campaign I run. Thank you. Hey, uh, the second make no weapon with which one man may kill another. Um, that has ways that you can work around it as well. Uh, and then you've already got the third one: um, the limitations on using the one power as a weapon. So, well, yeah. And, and this is actually one of the most interesting things about these oaths is they do actually seem to be not an objective truth. And that is one of the most interesting things about the oath rod here that I think is very fantastical. Uh, in the, the show Lucifer, for example, it's all about self-actualization and angels can't do certain things if they think they can't do it, even though they are physically capable of it. Just like that, Aes Sedai are able to lie if they think they're telling the truth. Yes. Their words can only be not untrue to them. Even if what they're saying is legitimately objectively a lie, if they believe it hard enough, they can say the words. And in fact, there's a really interesting uh, scene later on in the books where a sister is told to say words that she cannot physically say because she believes them to be a lie. And yes. at that point, she actually starts to suffocate to death because she cannot say the words. And again, we as a reader don't 100% know whether they're true or not, but she believes them to be a lie and therefore cannot say them because it breaks the first oath. Also, along with that, it is interesting to think about how many sisters have used the one power as a weapon to protect themselves or others who weren't actually in danger because they perceived themselves right. to be put in mortal danger and therefore were allowed to use the one power as a weapon. I loved, I love there's the scene where Matt has got the band of the red hand and they're all hanging out there and the three eyes and are like, <laughs> and he's like, anytime now, sweetheart. And they're like, we're not in danger. You guys are doing great. And then it's like the enemy force starts pushing closer. She goes, yeah, okay, we're in danger now. I think it's time we uh, go kill some people. <laughs> yep. I'm in danger. <laughs> so yeah. basically every Aes Sedai technically has to turn into Ralph Wiggum before they can defend themselves <laughs> with the one mouth. <laughs> so, so, so how many... His... Oh, go ahead, Andrew. 
Because oh, yeah. I, I want to get into the history of what they were originally known as, but I'm kind of yes. like savoring that that weight because I, I really like the history where they come from. Not because it illustrates a point, uh, but, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, do you remember how many oath rods, uh, as most readers know them as, uh, exist in the world that we can account for? I believe there's two. Oh shit! There are five. There are five. That's what I meant. So it's five. Yeah, it's yeah. a dramatic reveal. It was, yeah, it was like a magician's best. reveal. I got you. <laughs> so there is the Oathrod and the White Tower. Correct. The Shido IL have one, and then Moradin is known to have three in his possession. Oh damn! Did not. Oh shit! You're right. Yeah. Among other objects of the power he owns in his fortress in the blight. Motherfucker's got a fortress and three oath rods. Most people can't even handle one. Oh, so, but Moradin's really good with his oath rods. Yeah. So, um, but there's, these were created during, uh, geez, uh, Age of Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think it's fair because it's annotated specifically that the one in the White Tower has the numeral three carved on it, that these were serialized. Yes. They were numbered, yes. uh, which makes sense when eventually here in a, in a little bit we get into their original purpose, uh, that they would be serialized, that you would know exactly what number and who has it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Oath Rod can only be used on other Chandlers. Uh, so only people that can channel can be bound with the oath rod. It is activated by uh, a relatively small weave of spirit, meaning that almost anybody could turn this thing on. And it is the the Tarangreal that makes the oaths, the eyes that I take, uh, unbreakable for them. But it does something else that's pretty big. Oh, God, that sounds so horribly... It's so horrible. <laughs> if the Sean Chan have an oath rod. Sorry, continue, Andrew. Why? They don't need it. What do you mean they don't need it? What would they need an oath rod for? Uh, you can I'm sorry, cease the mass production of a around, dog. Well, or if you can walk around making sure that everybody is taking oaths that are actually legitimate oaths. Or at least, sorry, again, since it can't be used on non-channelers, any demone. You could make them swear oaths that make them do what you want, even if they don't have Idom on. Like I, I okay, swear but, to God, swear to me. Swear to the oath rod. But the only time that would be necessary would be in the case of after coming to Randland, the Westlands, and capturing women who had been fully grown. But they the 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 Suldom are very very good at breaking people. The only thing I could think that they would use the oath rod for is on non-channelers who they don't like. But they kill people to break their oaths. You can't use it on non-channelers. Yeah. The only thing exactly. that's capable of binding oaths to a non-channeler is the binding chair. Yeah. Also, but again, Josh, I recognize that they have taken on a a. a way of life that is we need to have Suldom so that they can break Damane so that we can get what we need. But they didn't have Oath Rods before. 
if they have an oath rod, which one's better, loyalty or brokenness? The answer is loyalty every goddamn time. Hard to agree. Go ahead and make people swear oaths to you on the oath rod. You don't need Suldam to break your demonic. Which, this, this is where it gets fun, though, because, okay, so when we get introduced to the story, the oath rod is sacred, right? It's, it's something that that defines an Aes Sedai. When, when you become Aes Sedai, you take the oaths. and It that defines is the, who I am. That, that is the pride of your life. That is high school graduation. That is fucking, like, that's, that's it. That's the pinnacle. Like, that's, you have just accomplished the ultimate opening of your life. Now, all your training is done. Oh, the irony. Now you may go into the world and affect your will upon it as you see fit within the confines of these three oaths. And that's when it's you walk out into the real world deal. and it gives you a real wake-up call about how everything ah! you learned was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the... so, Go ahead. I was just going to say, so like th- this, is, this is an interesting sort of segue into the deeper conversation that we want to have on the Oath Rod because... There are people who will talk about a, a fantastic example of this are the house elves in Harry Potter. They are born into slavery and servitude and are only released from that when they are given clothes. And, you know, Dobby is given a sock. He's very happy about this. He loves it. He's excellent. Everything's great. Um, and eventually Hermione starts leaving bits of clothing around to try and free the house elves because this is slavery and it's bad and it's wrong. And the house elves refuse to, to clean that area because they're like, Oh hell no, leave me alone. I like where I'm at. I want to be here. Sure. The house elf status in my view is sort of how an Aes Sedai is under the binding of the oath rod. They're like, I have limited myself for the benefit of all. And that defines me and makes me who I am. And I'm proud of that. So when Egwene suggests that there's got to be a way to be released from the oath rod, Swan Sanche is mortified. She is horrified because to her, that was the proudest moment of her life. Graduating from, you know, novice to accepted to Full Aes Sedai. She was proud of that moment. Egwene has learned things about the Oath Rod, which we'll get into later. And she's like, that, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't want it. I don't want it. And of course, Swan's like, you're a young child, okay? You haven't spent a hundred years in the tower learning to become Aes Sedai. And it, it becomes a very interesting struggle with the new thinking versus the old thinking. Egwene yeah. is essentially, you know, a millennial in the tower going, oh, I don't like that. And everybody else is like, shut up and accept it. <laughs> well, when well, I graduated for high school, I got my first job in my field and bought a house and had some kids. That's right. Fuck you. That's right. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing that it does that I was going to point out before we got into like the, the more serious aspect of the Oath yes. Rod 
um, is that uh, very early on, the reader is led to believe that it is channeling that gives the Aes Sedai their ageless face and their ageless features. Uh, And it's not. That is 100% the Oathrod because the Shan Chan uh, Damani and Soldom don't have ageless faces. The Windfinders don't have ageless faces. The Kin do not have ageless faces, even though they all consistently channel. It is the mm. Oathrod not that the has the effect. Sort of. Well, the Kin have sort of like ageless faces. They don't channel yeah. as much that was, that as was like the Windfinders. Say is I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. So they that's, that's sort a fair of have correction. Ageless faces in the way yeah. that they're stupid old and don't look stupid old. But yes, yeah. the actual ageless face. That yeah. particular thing is absolutely a very Aes Sedai thing and definitely comes from the, the Oathrod. Yeah. Now, yes. there is um, a potential a potential uh, inconsistency with the Ageless Face being from the Oathrod, and that comes through Rand's uh, views through Ruidion whenever he's uh, seeing through the Jinael at the half-built Ruidion and there's an Aes Sedai that is, has an ageless face with skin that looked as if the wind might tear it. Um, she is known to be extremely old with hair so white it's almost transparent. Uh, and it, Well, that's not uh, a contradiction to ageless face. I'm getting into the next part. That's a contradiction to the, the life thing. Sorry. Sure. I, I got my notes, which are definitely my notes and definitely not from somewhere else uh, mixed up. But yeah, so <laughs> the, the ageless face comes from the the Oathrod, seemingly. So yeah, very much the the story strongly uh, suggests that. Yeah. Um, no, that was confirmed in a Q and A in Budapest in April of two thousand and three. Oh shit! Nice. But the agelessness. Yeah, comes you didn't from, know about the Q and A in Budapest. I mean, to be fair, I only did because it's annotated right here. So. <laughs> Um, you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> okay. That's Too your soon. movie quote for the day, you guys. It's movie quote for the day. Just Too like soon. Budapest. She sacrifices so much and then winds up with that as her solo movie. Come on. Come on. Anyway. Wow, okay. <laughs> Back to the other. <laughs> uh, I was not a huge fan of Black Widow, uh, the movie. Which is not where that quote is from, by the way. So he did not yes. just ruin it. It is from a different yes. movie. He has given you one movie in the whole universe that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Facts. So. Do we want to get to the, the serious part? Yes. So here is let's, our let's actual topic here. We are talking about the Oathrod in general, and I think that we are going to end up talking a lot about different aspects of the Oathrod in general, because we kind of cannot talk about this particular subject without getting into those things. However, our actual topic for the evening is about the morality of the Oathrod, especially into the Fourth Age. Because at this point, uh, as Andrew stated, if you are still here and you have not finished the books, you're about to get something horribly spoiled for you. At the beginning of the books, we think that the Oathrod is just a thing that does a thing. And it's kind of right. It does do that thing very effectively. However, later on in the story, you discover that there are detractions from the thing that the Oathrod binds you to. For example... There's a fairly significant drawback. 
There's a There's... huge drawback here, and it's the biggest one, and it's basically the one that we are going to talk about here in this moral discussion of you meet a group of women who are not bound to the oath rod, and they seem to live a lot longer than the oldest Aes Sedai. And it is basically discovered through intelligent conclusions and hypotheses that the Oathrod is almost is cutting the life of the people who are bound by it. Something in the neighborhood of half. It's, yeah, a, it's a little scale. It's a little, uh, a little more than half of their remaining life. Sure. It's it, and and that is horrifying in some ways. That is not something that is ever told to the Aes Sedai as they are being raised and taking the oaths on the oath rod. Right now, again, there is a lot of questions that pop up about this because of things that happen in the books. Um, and there are a lot of unclear rules on this based on, again, things that happen in the books. But it is not unclear that this is happening by how much and by, you know, how many oaths do you need to take before this starts to happen? Or if you release yourself, do you get all of that back? Or blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of unknowns about this thing. But... There is a moral question here that we want to go into about the Oathrod and the fact that we know in the books the Oathrod takes away some of your remaining life. Yes. And is that right? Is that wrong? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Does the benefits outweigh the, the negatives? Do the negatives outweigh the benefits? All of that is what we're going to be talking about for the next... 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, however long we end up going. Um, I, you know, with this particular one thing episode. that I one thing that I throw out there as well that I think is important to note is the original intent of the oath rod. Mm -hmm. The original intent of the oath rod was to punish criminals. Yep. Mm -hmm. There was one of the Forsaken who was talking about, did you know they mm. bind themselves? That's so dumb. Why would they do that? Now, the original intent of the Oath Rod was for criminals, to prevent criminals to, you know, from, from doing the thing that or they did. Or at least we should say that a Forsaken says that that was the reason. <laughs> we know that Forsaken lie, but also we have no reason to not believe this one. In, in this they, particular yeah. case, they were expressing disgust or Seemingly. like, yes, yeah, using yeah. like, why well, would they? Because originally, that? originally these rods weren't called oath rods. They were called binding rods because Perfect. they were used on criminals they were used on a people that had succumbed to madness that uh, had intense uh, philosophical flaws and how they use the one power that abused the one power uh things yes. like that and yes Simorog was one of the subjects of this because it was discovered that she was satisfying her sadistic nature by making healing hurt when she did it so nope. she was given the option to 
be bound by a binding rod to never do this again or be severed from being able to channel completely. And she chose option three uh, and aligned herself with Shaitan. Well, she chose option one and then went and did the thing because she knew that she would be able to get out of option one. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, she really chose three uh, option three yep. under disguise yep. of choosing option one. Exactly. Bingo. 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. No, and so, so this is an interesting thing that we discover later on in the series, and we actually discover this pretty fucking late in the series. We start to get some inklings when we are about, I don't know, a third to a halfway through the series when the girls meet the kin. When Nynaeve first is exposed to the kin and finds out how old some of them are, she starts doing some mental math and going, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> and starts figuring out that the kin, on average, live a number more years than Aes Sedai on average because she's gone through accepted training. And she knows a lot of history about a lot of Aes Sedai. And she knows that the histories of many of the Aes Sedai stop at a certain point and there is a presumption that they are no longer with us. She then takes those numbers and goes, yeah, but these are in like the 200s. You just said you're like 400 some years old. Oh, no, she's knocking on, um, she's knocking on 600 because the oldest of the kin is almost 300 years older than Cat Swain. Cat Swain's like 290. 294, 295. Oh, I thought yeah. she was like 400 and something. Okay. No, but I'm saying one of the oldest can, maybe a different one yeah, that yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about. I thought the, I, I think that the main can Rena. Uh, I don't have a name for you, so I cannot sit yeah, there yeah, and be yeah. like, it's this person. But, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fine. I, I'm not actually looking for, but the one that they actually deal with the most is the one who brings this to Nynaeve's attention because she says she's somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 years. And Nynaeve's like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? That's not how old channelers live. I said I live about, you know, like 200 and some, maybe 300 and some if they're lucky. And she goes, no, I'm telling you, I'm not old. And Nynaeve is like, okay, stop. <laughs> All right, hold up. Something ain't right. And then she starts, as I said, doing the math and figuring out that there is something that the Aes Sedai are doing that the kin are not that is making it so that Aes Sedai don't live as long as other women who can channel. And she ends up going, coming to the conclusion that it kind of must be the Oathrod because channeling is what makes women live so much longer than others. Amount of channeling doesn't seem to quite matter that much. And the only real difference that is happening between the kin and the Aes Sedai is the Oathrod. Now, there are a number of other environmental factors, which I guess you could go into as far as actually living in the White Tower. You could also talk about the amount of danger that's actually in an Aes Sedai's life rather than a, kin, uh, a kinswoman's life and things like that. But all of this is kind of just muddying the waters. It's the Oathrod. She figures this out. We know this. It's the Oathrod. 
And so that brings up this interesting moral argument of the Aes Sedai are somewhat defined by the oaths that they take on the Oathrod. How much of that definition is actually worth the loss of their life that they lose from those oaths? And we all have different uh, opinions on this particular thing, especially because part of the problem here is that we don't know the exact rules because it's not understood whether if you are, if you go back to the oath rod and unbind your oaths, because that's a thing you can do, whether you get that life back or whether it is just to a certain extent gone forever. It's also unclear whether if you do that, you get some, but not all back. It's also unclear as to whether if you take another oath after that on the oath rod, that it then tries to take more of your life. Like, it's so unclear as to the, like, nitty gritty specifics of exactly how many years and exactly how many times and exactly whatever. But it's absolutely still a moral question of, are the oaths that you're taking worth the life that you're losing? I am of the particular camp that says you should be allowed to make the decision. In terms of Aes Sedai should not be forced to take oaths on the oath rod in the fourth age unless they actually want to be Aes Sedai. If you want to be in the White Tower... You have to make the decision that you take these oaths and that you become an Aes Sedai. Uh, if you don't want to become an Aes Sedai and still want to continue channeling, there need to be other options where you're not forced into taking those oaths and being part of the White Tower. And in Age 4, they do talk about that as far as being the kin. Now, I, I don't know if there's, you know, again... There's a million nuances to that. I don't know what they are, but there are a million nuances to that. But that's overall, I think that it's okay as long as you make the decision yourself and are not forced into it. Andrew, I think that you have a slightly different take on this. uh, And I would like to hear your thoughts. And I'm going to shut up for a while so that you can go ahead and give your thoughts. (laughs) You're fine. Uh, for anybody wondering, I we think that maybe the snow and windstorm might have finally taken over the Solar Von Hell's internet. We'll see. Correct. If he comes back. Um, I agree with you on they should be able to make the choice, which sure. is why I have uh, the big quasi-moral issue with it in the books. Because it's nobody knows, really. Um, it's hinted that there may be one or two that knew and just kept letting it go. Uh, but the big problem here isn't who knew and who didn't. Well, it is, but oh, it also course. isn't. Yeah. Um, the problem is that nobody knew this was happening, so you can't really fault people for doing it uh, whenever nobody knew any better uh, within reason. Yes. That being said, I agree that after uh, after this is made public, and I believe Egwene uh, fully intended for it to be made public, uh, that, yeah, you have the the right to make that decision, where I detract is I don't believe that should predicate uh, or should be a qualifier for you being able to attain the title of Aes Sedai or not. Um, 
I don't believe that you should have to give up, knowingly 100% give up a significant portion of your physical life mm-hmm. in order to attain a rank. Um, and a lot of the counter arguments I've seen is like, well, the oath rods are what make them trusted by the world. I'm like, but they're not yeah, trusted they're not. by the world. <laughs> and the counter argument that was like, well, the people in power that know about them, okay, you're starting to add caveats onto yes. it to say, like, well, the people that know and the people that know and also have the power trust them, and they're the ones that influence the world. I'm like, well, that's still problematic. Because if you take Andor, for example, um, uh, their queen went to the White Tower, and uh, so many of the arguments that they make is that, well, of course she's going to advocate for the Aes Sedai and the White Tower because she went there. She's friends with them. They gave her a ring, even though she's, well, I mean, accept it, get rings, because she made it to accept it, more gays did. Correct. But, so you have that argument. But by and large, the masses of the world don't trust the Aes Sedai uh, namely, yes, because of the breaking, and they blame all Aes Sedai for the breaking. But the oaths themselves, though many have heard about it, they also know that, okay, well, that just means you have to believe what you're saying is true. Or you have to talk around it in this kind of Aes Sedai way to say the words that are technically true while your meaning is shrouded in double talk and deus Damar. So... For me, uh, that argument, I don't want to say becomes null and void because it does have a place and there are places where, yes, it does help. But by and large, for the world, it doesn't help. And if we go back to the Age of Legends, an age of untold prosperity and success and kind of this political homogeny uh, across the world where there weren't really, there weren't wars, there weren't, wasn't all this fighting, it was an era of prosperity. The Oathrod was not needed for this purpose. In fact, it was needed for the people that did the opposite. It was only needed for the people that violated the trust of the world and the world's laws. And those were the only people that it was used on. Um, I very much I very much side with that. Um, if you want to use it and take the oaths with the full knowledge, then, you know, fine. I don't have an issue with that. That's you making the decision. However, I believe that it is morally abhorrent to require someone to give up 50 plus percent of their remaining life just to attain a title that has historical significance, not necessarily personal significance. So out of curiosity, I, I actually do want to touch on this for a moment because we talk a lot about the oath rod and the first oath. We don't actually talk that much about the second and third, which are still very very important as far Mm -hmm. as the three oaths are concerned now again i think in the books one of the reasons that we talk about the first oath so much is that it gets a lot of play and it gets an undue amount in some ways of gravitas given to it over the other two but i i do actually want to sort of ask the question um Trusted is a broad word. And granted, it's it ties to the very first oath very strongly because there is the word untrue in the oath. Um, but with the other two oaths, I actually would say that while 
my, my personal view on it is that while people actually understand that the truth that an Aes Sedai says isn't necessarily the truth that you hear or the other way around. I'm still listening, um, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there is actually, to me, some real trust that also goes with knowing that if you're a king or, you know, a, a, a vizier of somewhere or whatever... And again, even down to the common man. Hey, Josh, welcome back. Um, even down to the common man, um, knowing that an Aes Sedai, since you can't channel, can't technically walk in and just beat the shit out of you with the power or intimidate you with the power to a certain extent or, you know, try to take over your, your kingdom or your household or anything using a power that you don't have is there an additional amount of trust there or is that kind of negligible um i think it it does add some validity but ultimately the second and third well the second oath is essentially added so that the Aes Sedai cannot be even requested to aid nations in their pursuit of war True. It's really more the, the third one that I was talking about, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Uh, and I was getting there. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the third oath is, uh, I'm sorry, I like to go in order. Um, and the third one I just is... I set you up for failure by talking about both of them when <laughs> really I was talking about the third. So, uh, sorry. Continue. See, this, this is the poli-sci mind. I'm not going to let right? the niche the niece mention go away because that is a tactic yeah. we used to the claim victory. Not saying you are. Hashtag it's just a habit I formed. Yeah. Um, whereas the third is more of a here's what we're offering you to show that you can trust us to come into your domain. But we've seen what the Aes Sedai can do without using the one power at all to influence a kingdom. Um, they have the ability to exercise influence to tell a king and the people, hey, you should do this. And without it, uh, with just that influence, uh, even the most anti-Aes Sedai rulers in the world still will listen to the Aes Sedai or at least entertain what they have to say. You know, we're, we're told in the books that even Petronile, the commander of the White Cloaks, would come to the Amarlin seat if she summoned. So... It tells me that in this age, with even with the three oaths, that them using their power is uh, a bit of an afterthought. It's not the biggest thing that people fear in this age because, yes, they, they can't do it if they're Aes Sedai. Um, nothing stops them from sending their conventional military, their novices, and their accepted to wreak havoc, uh, especially with linking. But... So there, there's nothing about it that says that the Aes Sedai still can't meddle in and cripple kingdoms because they've tried uh, and they've done it successfully it. in the past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, so so my, it's, it's kind of like it's it's like oh, I'm trying to think of a good like allegory for it, but it's like giving somebody a popsicle saying, I'm not going to hurt you. And then what they don't realize is, well, there's poison in the popsicle. You still ate the popsicle. You still ingested the poison on your own. I just didn't tell you it was there, but I'm going to offer you the antidote uh, because I I know what happened to you. I can figure it out. I, yeah. I I look at to me to me it's all about 
you know, I, I understand what it is now. And when I say what it is now, I mean current Age times three. in the story. Yeah. Yeah. But I like to look at where it originated. And and again, what like what we were just talking about is some of these things have come from the war of power. And mm-hmm. I said I were like, and I can't help, and I know you guys are probably gonna disagree with me on this, but I can't help but feel I like do these episodes. <laughs> Sorry, Amazon. We're going to disagree on this one. Yeah, you didn't pay um, off my car yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it feels like it feels as though the Aes Sedai at the end of the age of power, at the end of the war of power kind of went, you know, you're right. We we shouldn't do that anymore. And we will subjugate ourselves to the will of the people so that you guys are safe around us. And now, again, I understand at the, in the moment because there was also a massive amount of distrust with men who were going insane. This is a fresh yeah. memory for a, a lot of people. It was a panic response to outcry and backlash. It, exactly. And so I look at this and I go, okay, originally speaking, in the moment, I see why they did it. And in the moment, I can't find any reasons why I would disagree. Like, I, I can't. However, I look at the Aiel Wise Ones. I look at the Seafolk Windfinders. I look at other societies of people. Now, granted, those two, I believe, are the only two societies that had trusted channelers, right? The, sure. the Shan Chan didn't trust I mean, any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, the Sharns didn't, didn't trust any of them. And nobody knew about the kin. So and nobody knew yeah. about the kin. So well, except but, the people so, that could also use power. So yeah. The, to me, the oath rod symbolizes a a point of stagnation. Okay. When you have something that people define themselves on so strongly that it can't ever change, especially on something like a Tirangreal, which they're very forward on going, yeah, we don't really know what these do. We just kind of use them because we've always used them. And it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like, okay, I get what you guys, I get the intent, but I feel like there are situations in which you need to be flexible. And this is something we've talked about at great length on the show is that the White Tower is not flexible you you it should you have made introduced... it out of the stuff the black tower is made out of that shit's flexible as fuck <laughs> it goes from this to this in an oh. all the time <laughs> it sees one green sister and it's like oh hey there hey girl hey <laughs> anyway I, i'm making jokes in my head right now about anyway <laughs> um no it just so to me the oath rod was it a good idea when it was implemented absolutely the based on the the times based on what the situation was absolutely and i even recognized the the wind the sea folk and the aja then the and the aja the aiel how much did i pour in that and the aiel were (laughs) relatively removed from a lot of that sure so they didn't have the same challenges they didn't have the same you know, issues come up with people yeah. killing people and shit. So I think we can all agree that people being forced to do, to take an oath on the oath run unknowingly 
is automatically morally abhorrent. That that is automatically something that should not happen. You have to take this, but you don't know that it's going to take half or more of your your remaining life away. If the person who's administering it knows and you don't, then I agree. agree. If no one knows, that's, then again, that's I why think I say moving morally, forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think everybody would know. Yeah, but true. one of one of my I guess bigger points about it is if you have a a set of standards and, and these are these are intrinsically moral standards that they're imposing with the Oathron. If you have a set of moral standards that you are enforcing by unbreakable, extraordinary measures, then how much merit does the moral code uh, retain? Because you don't have the free will to choose to do something wrong. So is it a good morality because it's enforced and cannot be broken morality? Or does it lose a lot of its merit of morality because... Well, you don't have another choice. This is all you can do. And I mean, you can you can make the argument that like, well, the Einstein can still mislead people. And yes, very, very much so. And that does increase or decrease the morality. But what is the value of uh, the moral code of an Aesodai who simply cannot directly lie, who simply cannot make weapons that can be used for war or, or violence, who cannot use the one power except against a uh, a three type set or four type set because dark friends uh the shadow uh defense of themselves their warders uh and other eyes to die and other eyes to die and so go ahead josh daniel you know daniel go ahead Okay, so I, I actually want to respond a little bit to something that you said earlier josh because i i think that there's an interesting piece of this that is we come into the story in a very sort of nihilistic, very cynical view of the breaking. And we know... Yeah, it's almost legend at this point. It is. Well, and of course, we know that almost everybody gets it completely wrong in some ways when they... Not almost completely wrong. That's not actually accurate. But they get it half wrong when they say the eyes Sedai are responsible for the breaking. That statement is not incorrect because in the Age of Legends, males were called Aes Sedai. However, you're including an entire half of a group of people into that title that were not part of the breaking of the world because they were women. Oh, I disagree. And did not go mad <laughs> in the breaking. Now I, again, I believe they share equal equal blame, but that's another episode. Okay, but I I blame they were not the ones who went mad and actually broke the world, though. Can we agree on that? Yeah, that's yes. the, and that's the what actions I'm saying. Not, the, were the actual actually actions. perpetrated. I, I actually totally agree with you, yes. Andrew, that that might be a short episode because <laughs> we're, we're I also the same blame page. the women I <laughs> Sedai for yeah, well, the we'll, overall thing. But well, but again, we'll the spend women 23 minutes talking about beer who, and the rest will be the breaking. Right, there we go. The women didn't actually legitimately break the world. That was the men going mad and doing the channeling that broke the world. The actions were those of male channelers. Now you come out of that and many people are very cynical about Aes Sedai and channelers in general because they can't really make that distinction because the history has been so passed down that at this point it's a game of telephone. 
the Aes Sedai that are left at that point, who are almost exclusively women, in my reading of the books, it's not a panic response to this. It's actually them trying to decide the best way. Josh, you don't don't get to agree with both. I can too. And I could justify my points. That they can make itself moving forward, (laughs) that the world will trust them because they know in their hearts that they didn't actually do this. Now, again, can be blamed for it? Sure. Blah, blah, blah. But didn't actually do it themselves. Now, again, I don't actually believe that every Aes Sedai was standing there on this moral high ground and standing there just being like, we need a way to convince the world to trust us for the benefit of everyone. There were absolutely Aes Sedai who were standing there panic responding to this. But I think overall the response was actually out of a humanitarian, out of a place of goodness that they said, we were all Aes Sedai. The men did the actual breaking But going forward, we need the world to trust us so that we can fix this. Let's come up with a way that we can fix this. And their decision was the Oathrock. And maybe it's just because I'm 3,000 years. Well, I think it did right away. Because I think that it's taken thousands of years for. I Sedai to overall wiggle out of it and do things that are bad enough, even with the three oaths, that people don't believe the three oaths anymore. But if you told me that you made those three oaths, day one, I would absolutely believe you because those on their face are super binding and super moral. Now, as soon exactly. as I said I start to go outside of that, you now are breaking that trust. And we've had a long enough time that enough I said die have broken that trust that we no longer trust you anymore because you can get out of those three oaths and we didn't really realize that from the jump. But again, I think that I trust you day one because I think, and maybe it's because I'm too much of an optimist, but I think day one, you're actually trying to do your best with a hand that has been dealt badly to you and doing the right thing in response. Now, (laughs) the other thing that I I wanted to bring up, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that you mentioned the IEL wise ones and the wind finders. Now we don't ever see this from the wind finders, but Dumais Wells is a really good example of Not taking the oaths is also very dangerous because none of the wise ones at Dumai's Wells who were under Savannah and who were convinced into going ahead and attacking with no provocation had any qualms about that whatsoever in terms of an oath that they took. Now, again, they're respected. And it's on your own morality to decide whether you want to do that or not. And if you do decide to attack unprovoked, then you are an immoral person, if you will. But there is no actual thing stopping them other than their own personalities and moral drives to say, 
oh, I'm going to just walk in and murder all as many people as I can so that we can go ahead and capture the Dragon Reborn. With the Aes Sedai, there is. Now, again, we've already talked about the fact that you can get around that stuff, but there is still a bar to them technically walking into Dumai's Wells and saying, we're going to kill as many of you as possible so that we go ahead and capture the Dragon Reborn. So, Josh, you were going to say a point. That, those were my two points. Josh, so, so what do you got? The, and then I want to hear from Andrew as well, because he looks yeah, like yeah, he yeah. has uh, some things to say as well. That, that was the point I that I was so. making. so. We do a podcast. We should all be able to <laughs> talk. <laughs> Truth. That, that was the point that I was making um, originally, was that in the moment, at the end of the War of Power, the Aes Sedai were desperately looking for a way to regain the trust of the people also known as their influence and power like they needed to be able to establish themselves as the as the diplomats as the you know as the negotiators as the as the as the people who believe in causes like they were just, and, and I believe at the end of the War of Power, they were just starting to establish the, the White Tower. Like, Correct. Tarvalon was being built still, and they were sort of doing, they were sort of rebuilding, as it were. Mm-hmm. And this was an aspect that they looked at, and they said, look, people of the world, look, we're not going to lie to you. I Look, here's an Oathrod. Speak word, no word that is untrue. I'm not insane. Huh? Huh? And it was like a big, and, and we see this repeated throughout the books that, you know, Robert Jordan does a very, very good job of rumor and, and news going along the, the pathways being translated vocally from person to person to person and changing as it goes. And so people have no idea what's going on. It's just like nowadays. Nobody knows what's going on, but we all think we do. We all watch, you know, insert news uh, media company here, and we go, yeah, they know what they're talking about. We know what we're talking about. The Aes Sedai are looking for a way to establish trust with the people. And I believe they accomplished that in the moment. As a result, they were able to go to kings and queens <laughs> Pedrin Nial of the Children of the Light will answer as summons from the Amarillan seat because the Aes Sedai did such a great job of rebuilding and reestablishing their trust and influence in the world. Okay, just because it's been mentioned a number of times, how much do you how much of that do you think of is actually bluster though? Because <laughs> people say that all the time of like, you know, they're there's some dias tomorrow happening. Pedrin Nial actually goes to the Emerald seat. I think that's just the hyperbolic saying that they say. But again, I I it, I take your point obviously, but, but I think that that saying is just shit. It, like, no, he doesn't. No, but I think I think there would be malicious compliance. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Even then, um, but yeah. It, but but the the thing is, is I think they were successful initially. I really do. Um, The problem comes, again, in my opinion, with stagnation. They have applied a solution and and defined themselves on a solution that is now 3,000 years 
out of date and has caused more harm to them. So to me, I believe, and, and I will say this, I, I believe it is immoral to continue using the oath rod because it gives them no benefit anymore. It does nothing for them anymore. I believe it hinders their cause. Yeah. So for me, um, I, I had like three really good points I'm and sure. my brain was just like to her taint. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't believe that in the moment the oath rod was introduced in the manner in which we see it used in the books that they were successful. I don't see a mass populace that for thousands of years has been has been taught. We Aes Sedai are in this together. We are working for the betterment of humanity. We are making strides and in innovation and scientific discovery and doing all of this together for the betterment of the world. That suddenly all they see are people that they know are Aes Sedai literally changing the landscape. And that's the big thing here, the magnitude of what the breaking of the world was, yes. how big it was. So you take a group that was undeniably completely trusted to essentially run all world affairs, still allow sovereignty, but still run world affairs for the most part. That then all you see after years of being taught, we're all the same, we're all Sedai, we're all working together. And you see a group of people who... Most people probably don't know if they were male or female. Raising mountains where, city, where seas once stood, turning entire populated cities. These aren't cities with like two, three, five thousand people in it. Mm -hmm. These are cities with 50,000 plus, probably more than that. Well, I mean, plus is like infinite, but you get what I mean. Like massive cities turned into glass floors by these people that you have been told for thousands of years to trust. And the only people that we see, not saying that there aren't others, but the only people that we see that still give any sort of implicit trust to the Aes Sedai after or as the breaking is going on is the Jin Io, the people that were working closely enough to know roughly what happened. So I don't think that the Oath Rod is immediately successful. I do think it is a panic response. I think it is a extreme bad thing happened and the only solution for us is to do extreme thing that seems to counter it but is then going to pigeonhole us and something we don't fully understand i don't think age of legends i said i fully under or by the time it came around as the oath rod rather age, age of legends i said i definitely knew that it took half your life definitely um but by okay. the time it comes around to being used as the oath rod i said i have forgotten that it takes half your life. Yes. They're, they're making a commitment without understanding exactly what the gravity of those oaths are. That part is true. So I believe it gets a lot of merit. And given the knowledge they have, I think it deserves the merit. However, a lot of the merit is coming out of ignorance. I don't think the Aes Sedai would be so quick to uphold the tradition of the Oath Rod if they knew that it made them sacrifice half of their remaining life. So I don't disagree with that. That's kind of why I, I'm in the camp that I am. Um, I, I think it's something that is seen as, is absolutely incredible and given a lot of validity because for the vast majority of the series and for all I said, I, or 
like 99.9% of Aes nobody knows the cost of doing it. Sure. And I think so, that changes dramatically in the fourth age. Oh, I totally agree with that. So I, I have a couple of, of new curious questions. And again, these are not leading into anything. I'm not trying to get you to say anything. I, I actually just have two questions because we've brought up a few times that inflexibility is a problem. And so we're using that in some ways to say use of the oath rod as a tradition and a, you know, blah, 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 is an inflexibility. I, I'm curious to, th- to think of, of, you certainly don't need to give me what they would be, because that's a much longer thought process and a much longer discussion. But if they changed the oaths, or decided on new oaths that were actually more binding or more true to what they were actually trying to do or whatever you want to call it as far as that goes, does that change your opinion of it at all? And number two, um, the other question that I have is normal human beings who cannot channel have an X average lifespan. Yes. People who can channel are given a much longer X or Y average lifespan um, that is even still longer than a normal person once they've taken the oath rod, the oaths on the oath rod, which is now, you know, a Z. So we have we have X, we have Y, and we have Z. And I obviously understand and appreciate very much that you being given something and then choosing to diminish that thing is not necessarily a good thing. But does it change your thought process about it at all when you consider the fact that they've already been given this sort of gift of being able to channel any much longer lifespan that even once they take the oaths on the oath rod is longer than someone who can't channel does that change the conversation a little bit uh, by comparison to a normal person? Does that does that make any sense? Yeah. So I, I think I see question. what you're saying. I'm but not yeah. sure I agree with it, but I think well, I I'm, see what I'm, you're saying. I'm not trying he's not, to he's make asking anything. I'm yeah, actually yeah, yeah. just asking the question, and I want your thoughts. That was not leading that was not like i want you to agree with me i want your thoughts on those two because i just thought of them can't have my thoughts i worked hard to get them to like me damn it i wanted all your thoughts (laughs) no all zero of them are not yours go ahead go first because you seemed like you actually had a a pretty clear answer on this i like that well to the first question of does making more specific less supoli or more restrictive oaths change my thought um it doesn't uh because part of it for sure for me is i place a a ton more value in someone that chooses to be moral because they have the option to be immoral and i will trust the person with the option to be immoral when they choose to be moral a lot more than somebody that has no other choice i'm very much an action speak louder than words or oaths kind of person so i don't think it changes how I feel about the oath. Um, I I feel like they did serve a purpose um, for sure. I think they did help the Aes Sedai early on, uh, kind of recovering from the massive, can't even call it a faux pas, that was, you know, 
breaching into the Dark One's prison and then, you know, altering the world forevermore. But I, I don't think it, I don't think it fixes the issue because I, again, I have an inherent moral opposition to what the Oath Rod does um, sure. as a, as a counterstroke. When it comes so, to the topic of being given a gift of increased longevity, does it make it easier for you to have the option to choose to give up some of that? Yes. And if that is your choice, then, then by all means. Because I believe there will be Aes Sedai that want to uphold the tradition and they will still, with full knowledge of they're giving up half of their remaining life or, or more, that will still take the oaths. And I think that's fine as long as they know. But I don't think that... Just because you were born with something that you don't necessarily have control over being born with. Um, it's not your choice to be, born, to born, be born with this. So it isn't your responsibility or duty or anything to then take that unwilling gift as something that you have to use to do this. Because uh, Age of Legends, I said I never did this. They never took the oath rods again, like we've talked about the binding rods. These were only things used against people that have betrayed the trust in the law of the world or of the country or whatever. If you don't want to go as broad as the world. Sure. Um, so I don't believe you have any obligation to do it. Are you better equipped by nature of your birth to do it? Uh, for sure. Because you can't argue against an increased longevity because of the gift of channeling. But I don't think with it, comes any sort of inherent kind of you're obligated to do this or you should be willing to do this. Um, I, again, that, that goes back to a free will and personal freedom kind of thing. You should have the decision on what to do with your life. Now, if you know that you're going to give up more than half of your life for this and you still choose to do so, then yeah, again, by all means do so. And I think, I think Andrew, to your point, I think we can actually draw a parallel to modern times in that people who join you know the military knowing that there is conflict fighting in that. the world they were they would know that there is a it. possibility <laughs> i'm sorry i'm going there guys i'm going there i i fought not bringing it up because that was going to be a point but i'm like i'm not i'm not pulling well, the military card i'm gonna yeah. do it i'm gonna do it i'm here i'm doing it go for people, it i'm interested key people can make a decision knowing the potential consequences now there's a difference between knowing potential consequences and knowing exact consequences if i join the military there's a potential that i die in vietnam or the middle east or anywhere wherever the conflict decides to be next year there is a potential that i die if i swear on the oath rock never to speak a word that is not true, never to create a weapon for man to kill another man, and never to use the one power as a weapon except in extreme defense of my own life, I will have my life cut in half. That is a guarantee. Now, do I like that? No. Personally, would I make that choice? Absolutely not. I'm okay with the potential of an outcome. I am not okay with the definite of an outcome. If I go into a military recruiter's office and they say, what do you want to join? It don't matter. You're going to die in Afghanistan. I'm not joining. Period. End of story. I That's me. That's me personally. I don't doubt that there are people who will still join. They will believe in the cause. They will say, absolutely. 
So the only problem, the only issue that I would have going forward with this is that if I'm an Aes Sedai and I come forward, I've, I've been a novice, I have been an accepted, and now I come to my Aes Sedai test and I pass my test for the shawl and they hand me the oath rod and they say, oh, by the way, this is going to cut your life in half. Where I'm not okay with it is that at that point in time, this person does not have the ability to go, absolutely not. And, and they just still go, become an Aes Sedai. And still become an Aes Sedai. They right. go, There's okay, an important cool. caveat there. There is an important caveat there. They go, they go and okay, that's actually bye-bye. part of you know my okay. final thoughts on this. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. go, okay, bye-bye. We don't like you. Yeah. We don't want That's you. That's why initially I said, like, I don't think it should predicate your qualification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so, sorry, Josh. So yeah. Anyway, no, you're good. You're good. So that's that's kind of the that's kind of it. It does fall down to a lot of personal choice. Now, if I make a choice, I face the consequence of that choice. If I don't like the consequence of that choice, I don't always get to say the consequence isn't fair. Therefore, I should be able to make this choice and not have to face that consequence. Sometimes life just be like that. Fair enough. All right. So shall I think we move we to are, final thoughts? Yeah, I, I think this is a go. great final time to go ahead and yeah. final thoughts. And I, I will go ahead and start. I think that I am probably the biggest outlier of this group. So I will you know, give you guys a chance to maybe respond to some of the things that I said in your final thoughts, if you want to. Um, But my final thoughts on this are very much going forward. I am very much a personal freedoms kind of person, but I'm also along with a personal freedoms kind of person, a personal freedoms kind of person. (laughs) And what I mean by that is every human being has the should at least, have the ability to make choices for their life that they want to make and that they think are moral, they think are good, they think are right, they think are for them. I also think that organizations, for example, have the right to decide what they require of human beings if they want to be part of that organization. And then it goes back to the individual to decide whether they want to be part of that organization based on the requirements given. So going into the age four, the fourth age, I think that it is actually very morally okay for the Aes Sedai to require binding to the oath rod to become an Aes Sedai. I think that that is absolutely something that they should be allowed to do as long as they don't then come down on anyone else. If there is the kin option, if there is another group of channelers who comes along and makes another white tower kind of thing, you can't be an Aes Sedai if you don't swear on the Oath Rod. Now, you're allowed to be a channeler and you're allowed to affect the world in whatever other organization you want to be part of. But you're not allowed to be an Aes Sedai unless you swear on the Oath Rod. Then each person gets to make the decision. Do I join the kin and not swear on the Oath Rod? Do I join the Aes Sedai and swear on the Oath Rod knowing that this is going to be true? Do I go off and go do something else? Blah, blah, blah. I think that that is fine. 
going into the fourth age. Now, I'm also fine if the Aes Sedai just go, fuck it, we don't want the Oath around anymore. Um, but in the sort of talk that we're having, we're sort of assuming that the Aes Sedai are going to continue with the Oathrod. I think that that is morally okay because I am very much a everyone gets personal freedoms every time. And if you decide that you don't want to be part of an organization because of their requirements on you, they can't force you into it. However, you can't be part of that organization. And also, along with that, I do actually think that we don't know enough about what happens when you unswear on the oath rod, basically. Um, and that is something that I think I would need to know as well, as far as the retirement plan that they sort of like suggest in the books for Aes Sedai. Can I make 200 years of my 401k? <laughs> And then <laughs> if that is true, I don't even have a moral thing on it at all. Whatever. I've been but paying again, one Andorran crown a month for the last 500 years. Exactly. We don't know that. And so it can't really come into this discussion, even though I just, I know I just brought it up, but at the same time, we don't know enough about it. And therefore we are assuming that you don't get those years back. And therefore, we're talking based on that. So, so that's my thought. And and we actually had somebody bring up in chat another thing that I think is super important, which is I'm also a big checks and balances guy. I know that they fail a lot. I'm not saying I haven't looked at American history and been a little unimpressed with the way that well, they Well, any work. history. Well, sure. I'm just talking History. about the one that I know the best as far as the phrase checks and balances and whatnot. Fair but enough. at the same time, you know, somebody brought up uh, what happens when Loghain and Andrel stop leading the white or the Black Tower. <laughs> That's a fear to me as well. I mean, Mazram Taim really fucked the Black Tower. Really he fucked. Absolutely the Black Tower. did. I think Loghain and Andrel are going to be great leaders when they take it over in the fourth age. I really do. I also don't know who's going to come after them. And you have a lot of Mazram times out there. And I'm not saying that Oathrods stop all of all Mazram times. Not saying that, but I am saying that trying to come up with a way to stop Mazram times is actually a good thing even if it's not always successful. And that is one of the reasons I, I'm just going to, that I'm going to say to, to bolster my opinion of, I think that organizations trying to do that is a good thing. And then your ability to not agree with that and not join that organization is also very much a good thing. That's, those are my final thoughts. I know that it was long-winded. I apologize for that, but, but those are my final thoughts on the other. I'll go next. You go, um, buddy. I I 100% agree on personal freedoms. Where I detract is where an organization has the right or ability to dictate a portion of someone's livelihood. Or not the livelihood, but life. Just pure life. I don't believe any organization anywhere uh, should have the authority to unilaterally dictate if you want to be part of us, give up half your life. Um, it sounds way too culty to me, and it just is morally abhorrent to me. An organization should not be able to do that to me. 
Um, but on personal freedoms, if you choose to take the oath rod with full knowledge of what the oath rod does, that's fine. That is, mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my biggest things, too, is that now we have a revealed history, a learned history of a world of a time where this enforced morality was 100% unnecessary. And in fact, the enforcement of it was only used to punish detractors from the overall morality, people that broke the law, people that pursued evil uh, exploits. That, those are the only people that need this. So in the Age of Legends, which again, yes, it is a fantastical utopia society. So with that caveat, uh, but within the Wheel of Time, we know that a world and a time exists where this is not necessary. It's not needed that groups can exercise great influence, great power, great control, and still be morally correct, still be on a good and justified moral path. Um, I don't believe that attaining the rank of Aes Sedai should be behind the barrier of like, yeah, you can have the rank, but you got to give up half your life. Um, again, it, it feels very culty to me. Um, some of the best things in, in the world have been done with the absolute worst intentions. And some of the worst things in life have been done with some of the best intentions. Uh, but um, with the example of, of the Black Tower, of a, a fear or concern over who comes after uh, Loghain and Andral, I don't believe uh, that fear of a potentiality warrants the oppression of reality. Which makes what Daniel said sound a lot worse than what he said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's advocating for like, oppression of reality. Um, but it rhymed and it sounded cool in my head, so I said it. It did. It was cool. <laughs> um, oh, thanks. Sounds like a buzzword that, that I'll, I'll hear on CNN <laughs> or any news outlet. Um, I I believe the overall theme of the Wheel of Time is collective cooperation and, and coordination towards a greater good. Uh, I feel like the history proposed to us in the Wheel of Time advocates for that and shows that that can be reached within the Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't believe that um, that the Oath Rod is necessary in the form that it's used. I think its original intent from the Age of Legends is the way that it should be used as a tool of punishment. Again, if everybody knows what happens when you take the oath rod, one, if the world knows that people give up half their life to take the oath on the oath rod, it increases trust dramatically. It does. That's, so that's there another is some, good point. There is a fair validity in its usefulness, but usefulness does not always equate morality. Just because something's useful doesn't mean it's moral. The atomic bomb is very useful in ending a war. Is it moral to use it? I'll, I'll let you decide. Most yeah, people say yeah. no. Um, it depends. Especially when, the especially when the used against... Bomb say no. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially when used against, you know, inherently civilian targets, uh, things yeah, like that. no, that's not okay. But I, I, I just, I don't believe, which is weird because I believe that mankind is inherently, like, greedy and corruptible. Uh, <laughs> so it's weird that I'm making an argument for personal freedom uh, like, like this. Not that anybody's saying they shouldn't have personal freedom. Uh, I think we all agree on if it's known, everybody has the right to make the choice yes. to do it. I just, uh, I don't believe Aes Sedai. Is in, in yeah, the I just don't believe that, you know, Aes Sedai hood or sisterhood should be behind a paywall of that magnitude. I don't believe organizations should have the right, much less the ability 
uh, to demand a portion of your life in return for a simple title. Um, sure. I, be- I believe simple that, is a strong word. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because it's for, yeah, no, until I, you prove yourself. Yeah. yeah. Until you prove yourself worthy of the title. I mean, I, I think they go through enough to prove themselves. But Agreed. Yeah. I've, I've mumbled on long enough, Josh. No, you're good. So, so my final, and, and here's the fun part because I have what I believe, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I have what I believe to be a completely unique perspective to these other two extraordinary gentlemen. I absolutely love them. I believe that initially the Othrod accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Evidence is seen by the fact that we get to the third age where we're at in the stories and Aes Sedai are, they're not trusted, but they're respected. There is weight in out of fear. the no. title of Aes No, no, no. Out of fear, out of mistrust. I mean, out of, that, that's half. There, they, there are like it also depends on where you're from power. and who you are. Yeah. And yeah. They, yeah. They I was wield, more so trying to make a joke. Yeah. No, no, you're good. <laughs> they wield too accurate of a joke. Too accurate of a joke. Um, knowing what we now know about the Oathrod at the end of the story, I think Egwene was on the right path, but I think it was, it was Thomas Jefferson ending slave trade across the Atlantic, but not ending slavery entirely. It was a step in the right direction, but it was not what we needed to be right again. Egwene was like, yeah, okay, when you become Aes Sedai, you take the oaths, and you're an Aes Sedai now, but when you decide you're done, you can retire to the kin. The kin suck. I'm sorry, I don't like the kin. The kin suck. They're like, yeah, you can be a part of us, but don't ever channel in front of anyone ever, because then they will know you can channel. I'm not okay with that. If it's a part another of you, episode. what the? Fuck? That's another oh episode. God. You just brought up all deep dive on the kin. Episode. Put it on the schedule. No, but finish I, your final thoughts. <laughs> I believe that if I have an organization that I have a particular list of requirements, you must do A, B, C, D, E, and F in order to be a part of my club. I think that's okay. Do whatever you want. You have a private club, a personal club that you want to have, you know, uh, oh, well, if you want to be an eyes to die, you got to do this, 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 and this. Especially in the fourth age where women who could channel basically have an option of going to the Black Tower. It's not stated specifically, but it's not like told that they can't like if you can channel you can go to the black tower so final thoughts on this is that the oath rod i believe is outdated anybody who is subjugated to the effects of the oath rod has been done wrong if they don't understand the consequences of that Anybody who understands the consequences of that and still chooses to participate in that, that is no different to me than any form of self-sacrifice that you willingly make and 
though I think it's a bad choice, I can't begrudge someone else who think it's not. Yeah. Well, the fun thing about this is you, the listeners, the watchers, the however you're consuming this, you get to tell us your thoughts. What do you think? Do you think that moving into the fourth age that the oath rod is fine? Do you think it's not? Why? Why not? What caveats do you put on that? Let us know what you think. Um, and we'll enjoy reading the comments down below. But and you might uh, inspire what, another subject for another episode. So leave those comments. Josh literally just inspired one with a throwaway comment in his final <laughs> thoughts. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So let us know what you think. Uh, but you don't have to wonder what we think about you. We really appreciate you listening. We love you for listening, and we look forward to seeing what everybody else thinks about this. You know, hey, is Andrew just completely wrong? Is no. Daniel completely right? Uh, no. Is it a mix of all three? Uh, yes. Like I, like we've seen <laughs> in the live chat, does there have to be a better solution? Is there a better solution possible? Um, <laughs> let us know down in the comments below because we're always open to these kind of discussions. We love them. That's why we have them and why we put them out for your consumption. But uh, to round this out, again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find more of our stuff, blacktowerpod.com. If you want to support our sponsor, go to thecrystalbarista.com. And we and will see somebody, you. Yeah, as somebody in our live chat just said, they said, we hope that this is what Jordan Con conversations are like. Um, It kind of fucking is. It's so going to be. want to come to uh, Jordan Con and have conversations like this in person, please come. We would love to see you there. Uh, also... I, I think they might be releasing more tickets for Jordan Con again. I had heard that that was they they were going to set up one more set. If not, I do apologize. Uh, if you can find tickets, please come. If not, you also still have WatCon in July, which they absolutely have tickets absolutely left for. So come to please WatCon. come to that one. So awesome! Please come. We would love to to have these discussions with you guys in person. Uh, and and this is actually somewhat what it's like at both Jordan Con and, and it's what likely we imagine that, will be at WatCon as well. And it's likely that you'll be on a live recording of the show if you are at one of the conventions and happen to be walking by while we're discussing a thing in which we would like a random random bystander's input. Indeed. So come on down, please see us. <laughs> Uh, and Check as incentive. they did, join the Discord, join the or join BlackTowerPod.com to to get in on all of the different stuff. We would love to see you guys at all of the online things as well as the in-person things. Um, and definitely, thank you so much for listening to this uh, episode here. I, I think that we talked even longer than we thought that we were going to on this topic. It was a good. Such a it good was a topic. good episode. I knew it was a good episode. Yeah. It was a moral question. Yeah. Yeah. Those are always fun to debate. Really but are. for all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, thank you. We love you. I have been your Bajan Mahal, Andrew. I have been your Sorovan Mahal, Josh. And take that delicious taintiness in. Accept it. Embrace the taint. Love it. Indeed. And I have been your Amin Mikhail Daniel. 
And from all of us here at the White Tower, uh, we thank you again very much for coming and being here and listening to this episode. We hope that you are having an amazing morning or whatever time of day it is. And in case we don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good show.